Hi there and thanks for joining us. On this week's episode, we speak to one of Cork's leading marketeers. Having forged his reputation with Heineken, Kevin Cullinan has been stewarding Cork Airport through good times and bad. And today, he's our special guest. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Kevin, you're very welcome to Red Business. How are you? I'm exceptionally well. Thanks, Jonathan. It is your busy time of the year. I'm dragging you away from the airport when you should be there with all the carol singers and everybody uh, welcoming loved ones home. So I appreciate the time. It's always a pleasure to be here. A magical time to be at the airport because you see life in all its vistas this time of year. So uh, a very special place, obviously, for people coming home for Christmas. Uh, There is an effort always made by the team at the airport to to give it that sense. I mean, it's a lot sadder after Christmas and everyone's going home. But, you know, with the choirs, with the decorations, I mean, it's just a lovely place to be, isn't it? I think, you know, uh, love actually is in the the news at the moment for probably all the wrong reasons. But I always loved that opening sequence where you see, you know, particularly any international airport, but especially Cork Airport this time of year, you you see the arrivals, you see people, you know, kith and kin meeting up with loved ones they may not have seen all year or maybe for a couple of years. You're seeing new babies coming home that grandparents haven't hugged. They've only seen them on Skype. You see new engagement rings, you know, the, the fluttering of, of flowers and eyelashes. It's just a super place. And uh, yeah, we have a huge program this year, over 1,200 performers um, right up till Christmas Eve, um, caroling and singing and playing. And it's the look on the passengers' eyes that don't realise that this is actually live performances when they come out of the baggage hall. They think it's piped music on Spotify and suddenly like there's a real choir and there's real kids and there's a real orchestra in front of them and it, it is truly magical. Um, you have been part of that now for 14 years. I hadn't realised how long you are at the airport because I would have first encountered you as the marketing man at Heineken Ireland. Um, do, can you credit yourself that it's 14 years since you went up the hill? Uh, it's now my longest engagement in any employer, so uh, it, it's certainly getting real. Um, but I think the dynamic nature of, of aviation and the airport business, it doesn't feel like 14 years. Uh, and there's been a lot happened through that. And, you know, economic cycles come and go. Uh, airlines, routes, uh, new ones come up, old ones um, drift off. But uh, it is a very dynamic industry. And I, I certainly haven't seen they, the 14 years have literally flown by. Let, let's go back to the very start, because you... I mean, I don't, it's one of these great mysteries in life how somebody becomes involved in marketing. It's it's not one of the things that they trumpet uh, when you're dealing uh, with your career guidance teacher, yet so many end up there. I understand your first job was actually selling Christmas trees. So what was there was there a hint of the marketeer coming out in the younger Kevin? Well, I was I always loved commerce in, in secondary school and I did accounting for my leaving cert. And you're right, the career guidance I got was either become a primary school teacher uh, in Limerick or, or looking to do a BCom or a business studies degree and uh, I knew a couple of engineers in Cove um, that had been to what was then NIHE Limerick this this modern technological university down in Limerick which is now the University of Limerick uh, and what really appealed to me was the fact that you know it was a semester based system you, you studied for 10 weeks you had a week of exams a week off uh, and I went uh, that was my first choice of my CEO I, I got business studies in Limerick and the first year was a general business studies degree. But I, I discovered this discipline of, of marketing and I'd gone there to become an accountant. And I had to make a choice in second year. Do I follow a, a major in finance or a major in, in marketing or, or what was then known as uh, personnel management? 
and, and I chose marketing. I majored in marketing and I kept my, my finance disciplines. So really, I think when I look back in hindsight, um, I've always been a marketeer. Um, I probably, I, I'm a communicator first and foremost. I, I love public relations. I love communications and I love moulding them. Uh, and I suppose the, the move a number of years ago was into Heineken was the ideal melting pot because I'd been working in a market research agency, MRBI in Dublin for five and a half years and then uh, Heineken Ireland came knocking. They were looking for a market research manager uh, to relocate from our capital city down to Cork. So it was it was a no-brainer for yeah. me. Um, I was looking to move back and of course I went into a, a really dynamic marketing department in Heineken with Coors Light at the time and Coors Extra Gold and the, the Heineken and the Murphy brand teams and Buckler, the non-alcoholic beer at the time. But but did you, it, no, you didn't do a great job on that because that's still not, that, that's not around still not anymore. Up there, yeah. but, uh, I, I didn't do too bad a job <laughs> on, the, on the Heineken brand. Uh, no, that grew. But you see, w- with that particular career change, um, like in radio, you know, when you get a gig with a radio station like Red FM, that you feel like I'm, I'm now engaged with a, a significant brand leader. Heineken was that for you, wasn't it? Oh, hugely. I mean, in fairness to, to Pat Conway and, and the, who was then uh, the marketing director and now the commercial director in Heineken Ireland, you know, he gave people a large playground to 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 ply their 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 trade in, uh, and I was given you know all of the premium uh, sports sponsorships, none of which I played or were engaged in. So I was looking after equestrian, I was looking after tennis. Um, steep learning curve, I'd imagine. Steep learning curve, you know, getting up early on a Saturday or Sunday morning, heading out to North County Dublin, out to Scarries, out to Dunleary, you know, maybe a, a European Championship or a Winter League. Um, I was usually in the press boat with a press photographer and a couple of sailing journals, um, and we'd skirt around the fleet uh, early in the morning and they'd be reporting. But again, I kind of learned from, from a process of osmosis too because I realised you know if, if Dave Brannigan is writing a piece for the Irish Times it's a very different style and tone to when he's doing the same for the Irish Mirror so you kind of picked up um, you know parts of the discipline that I now profess today um, for watching and engaging with really true pros uh, in, in that guise and of course you know being able to work on significant sponsorship events. My, my claim to fame within Heineken was I signed the deal with the Munster branch to take um, Heineken's title sponsorship over from Carling, uh, which ultimately led to the, the, the Heineken Cup. And I had to remind a managing director <laughs> in Heineken of that a few years ago when I was looking for tickets for Cardiff that, you know, uh, out of that little acorn, something grew this wonderful, w- big tree. wonderful big oak. So, uh, and then, of course, look, I got to move on to the the Murphy's Irish Stout brand and 60% of my role in Murphy's was custodian of the Irish Open Golf Championship. I mean, you know, I, I had the task of going down to, to Waterford Airport to pick up the great uh, Greg Norman off his private jet when he arrived in. I, I picked uh, Sergio Garcia up off a helicopter in Ballybunion uh, at, at the turn of the millennium. And they're things you dream about, you know, when you're negotiating with Sky Sports, sports coverage. It's kind of mad. And, and that's why marketing is, is something that people don't necessarily understand. Because when I say it's not given as a career option, probably should. Because some people are very good at it, like yourself. And, and you get that wonderful opportunity that otherwise you wouldn't have of meeting people, growing brands, coming up with ideas. And, and it's a creative industry, which kind of followed through to the airport. Because if, if you look at the airport in, in isolation, it is a building. Uh, that people walk into and walk out of having gotten on or off a plane but that's not what people think of when they think of Cork Airport No and I've always argued you know since I made the the change over um, in the last 14 years 
an airline seat is far more perishable than a bottle of a bottle of beer. A bottle of beer can sit on the shelf for six to twelve months, and you can sell it tomorrow. An airline seat, if it's not sold on that flight today, it's not there tomorrow. So you're only as good as yesterday's performance. Um, and I suppose you know we're a very data driven organisation. We have to be because. We're in the same, you know, competition for foreign direct investment as the IDA are. You know, airlines can place a piece of metal, an aircraft, anywhere in Europe. And we're trying to get them to the most western periphery of Europe, onto an island of Ireland, to a secondary city in Cork, and prove them prove to the airline that there's actually a demand for their services or, or, or their routes. So and they're fairly ruthless, aren't they? They're commercially driven. And sometimes I think people forget that. They think there's almost a public service obligation to the airline to provide a route. Just because somebody's son or daughter is studying an Erasmus programme in Lausanne doesn't mean, you know, an airline is going to put on a service with the one or two times a year they might fly home. They're very commercially driven. They're, you know, they, the the route has to be a viable, sustainable and profitable route for them. And if it's not, they'll find a profitable route somewhere else in Europe. So it's a very competitive um, landscape. We're not just competing with other airports on the island of Ireland. We're in a pan-European game and it's extremely competitive. I, I, I'm a bit of an aviation nerd. Anyone who knows me knows that. Um, and and like for a long time, it was really boring to be interested in aviation in Cork because you had two choices, Aer Lingus and Ryanair. And that was it. And they were grand. And we've I've flown with both and they're very acceptable. But we've got a lot of different carriers coming into Cork that weren't there before. The most recent addition uh, to your suite of services is KLM, who are going to fly and compete with Aer Lingus and Amsterdam on the back of Air France that came through um, with, with their service hop. And other Air lines that they're coming in on a seasonal basis as well. We seem to have attracted a lot more in recent times. I think, you know, Cork's star has been for a couple of years now uh, and I don't necessarily just mean the airport. I think as a, as a European city of scale, um, boundary extensions or not, you know, the fact that we have such a, a high um, level of foreign direct investment in the IT, ICT, pharma sectors is very appealing to airlines because they realise those companies have either clients or suppliers or head offices uh, or customers in key European markets and that they have to be served. And for the likes of KLM who've been, you know, co-chairing on the, the, the Aer Lingus service um, to Amsterdam for a number of years, they've seen the onward long haul traffic that that's fed through Amsterdam on a daily basis. And given the success, too, of the Air France foray into Cork in recent years, and again, you know, the fact that that's going double daily next year, they can see there's connections that people need to make beyond the 50-plus direct routes that are served out of Cork. And the fact now that Air France KLM is the same company, you have this kind of open jaw arrangement where I can fly out of Cork to Amsterdam and onward and I can always have the option of coming back via Paris albeit it's it's a different airline but it's the same company Air France KLM it's given us a myriad of options like there's over 500 additional destinations suddenly opened up by the fact that you have both Air France and KLM now operating out of Cork Is it good for the consumer because I know one of the things you're hit with regularly Kevin uh, and look in many ways it's justified is it's more expensive to fly out of Cork because we don't have competition on the route. So you don't have competition to Birmingham or Manchester or London Heathrow. We now have it to Paris and to Amsterdam. So does that start then to feed into prices and and what people will actually have to pay to take on that service? Competition ultimately is always good for the consumer because it it, it keeps everyone honest. Uh, And if you have two competing airlines flying to the same destination, uh, they are going to keep 
uh, a check on each other. Um, so it has been exceptionally good on the, the Paris route. People feared whenever France came in that they thought, oh, this is going to cannibalise the existing market. All you're going to do is carve up. In fact, it's actually grown the market exponentially. Um, the fact that, you know, you'll have three flights a day to Paris next year. You're going to have three flights a day to Amsterdam proves that point because as, as the airfares go down as an airport we have no role whatsoever in the fares the airlines charge but when there is competition people have already seen on Paris they'll see it again on Amsterdam it keeps people honest and again when, when you have air, airlines you know um, particularly Aer Lingus and Ryanair flying into say multiple destinations around Barcelona so if you have Reus Girona and Barcelona in the summer months there's three choices there and again that that's good for the consumer so we always welcome uh, competition we always welcome choice for, for, for our consumers One of the things that news cycles are funny uh, for a long time uh, during the bad times when the airport would have struggled because the economy was struggling so therefore fewer people were getting on planes uh, there was a big talk about oh we have to break up the DAA and Shannon was spun off and, and they are ploughing a fairly lonely furrow there uh, in the Midwest. Cork is still under Dublin's influence. Good or a bad thing? Well, I think people forget, you know, the DA is a public liability, uh, public limited company uh, and it has a presence in 16 markets on four continents now running, you know, area and international duty-free operations, part ownership of Dusseldorf, we're operating in, in Cyprus. So we're part of a very successful Irish semi-state company uh, and it, it often gets lost that it's one of the, the crowns and the jewels of the semi-states um, and I think you know the fact that you can see Cork Airport is the fastest growing airport on the island of Ireland this year uh, in percentage terms we wouldn't have got Air France or KLM over the line without the support um, of, of our headquarters. So, you know, we're able to leverage things like that. Again, you know, there's a lot of capital development coming down the, the runway at Cork in the next couple of years. Again, that's being planned and executed by town planners. We'd never be able to afford the luxury of having a town planner on the payroll in Cork. But the fact that we have a couple in Dublin Airport that can look across the suite of properties that mm. we manage, both here in Ireland and internationally, we're able to leverage that and, and that stands stands to us in great stead. Another old chestnut. Why don't we use the old terminal for something? Why don't we let that become a low fares terminal? I know that was a bigger thing uh, a couple of years ago, but let Ryanair operate out of that and everyone else operate out of the big hall. Well, that's been the biggest red herring I've had to, to deal with over the last 14 years. The old terminal was decommissioned 14 years ago when we opened the Is there just mothballs in there? There's nothing so there now. it's about to be demolished in the next three to five years because the footprint of that old terminal, A, it had a nominal capacity of 1.1 million passengers. We were squeezing almost... 2.8 million passengers. Squeezing, squeezing is the word. <laughs> you know, it was described as the black hole of Calcutta uh, by one of our business associations in the city at the time. We built a purpose-built terminal for up to 4 million passengers. You know, thankfully in the first three years we put over 3 million passengers through it. Then the recession came. So we can cater for up to 4 million passengers in a you know, a purpose-built, modern, efficient terminal. And that's why it's winning the awards. It is for customer service. And that's why there's the continuous investment in technology. Put it in perspective, the baggage screening system, so the x-rays that when your bag goes on the conveyor belt or there's a wall there, but your bag goes and it gets screened uh, multiple times before it's allowed on the aircraft. That's been changed out twice since the new terminal um, opened. It's about to be changed out for the third time uh, in the new year. That's an investment of 10 million euro in MRI technology that passengers and guests will never see, never appreciate, but it's 10 million investment funded by DAA PLC 
at Cork Airport. And, and that's why it's important that Cork remains part of a very successful international so aviation we're gonna, we're group. Gonna, I mean, is there a plan to make the terminal? I mean, we don't need to do it right now, but is that footprint then going to become available to make the new terminal, as we we'll call it, bigger at the future? Exactly. So it, it was built, the new terminal was built sufficiently further back from, from the runway because back in 1961, aircraft were smaller, people were flying less frequently. Um, you know, we now do in a day what we did in the first year of operations back in the, in the 1960s. So the old terminal will be demolished and then that will allow for further development in, in future years for satellite piers and satellite departure gates um, adjacent to, to the main block as such. And if you look at the, the new terminal, the, the stairwells are actually outside of the, the glass box and that was done purposefully. So just like Lego, you'd be able to adjoin uh, a north or a south uh, departure pier uh, in time to come and as the airport continues to grow and develop uh, that's what the master mm. plan that looks out over the next 20-25 years envisaged. As we record this the 737 MAX which was the aircraft being used by Norwegian um, is still grounded so therefore the plane that would have brought the first transatlantic flights into Cork isn't flying and they cancelled the route as a result and there was huge disappointment but tempered amongst that was the fact that the planes weren't necessarily always full and, and, and if there was to be an embracing of it by the public it didn't necessarily happen. So can transatlantic flights happen out of Cork? Is it realistic to expect the payload to be there for the airlines to take it on? Not Norwegian but maybe United or, or whoever. You know I think history will be kind to Norwegian in this respect in that you know they took a punt on Cork and they gave us the first direct scheduled services across the Atlantic and it proved to a number of other airlines that it could be done. People, there was an urban myth, oh the runway in Cork is too short for transatlantic. It's not. Technology has moved on that just like if you buy a a 2020 new car in January, it will go longer and further on less fuel than a car 10 years ago. And the same with, with airline well, technology. There's, there's, a t- there's a plane right now that Air Lynx have just introduced out of Shannon that could operate out of Cork, Absolutely. which is the, the, um, a, the new A321neo. See, I told you I was an aviation nerd. So, I mean, could we get that? Could we convince Air Lingus to put Transatlantic out of Cork? Well, hope you know those conversations have been ongoing, not just with Air Lingus, but indeed uh, um, other prospective transatlantic carriers. So, you know, what Norwegian did do was it put us on on the radar in terms of being, you know, officially Ireland's newest transatlantic airport. Um, unfortunately, the, the 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 long saga with the the Max aircraft is well documented at this stage. Um, but you know there are seven five seven still flying today, um, which can take off and land in Cork. In fact, the runway in Cork is longer than the sec the existing secondary runway in Dublin, which flies you know, to San Francisco. So, you know, we have to get over some of these urban myths that we propagate that, you know, we should give the the old terminal to Ryanair to use as a a hub. You could only ever park one aircraft parallel to that building because if you parked nose into the old terminal, it have interfered with the navigational aids on the runway. Its backside would be sticking out for the want of a cooler expression. Ryanair is is growing by 23% this year. In fact, you know, uh, as we speak, Ryanair is announcing another new route to Zadar in Croatia from April next year, twice weekly. They're operating five new routes this winter. So Ryanair is growing at its fastest pace in any of its Irish bases at Cork. This year, for the first time in our history, it will be our number one customer. It will leapfrog Aer Lingus in terms of the number of passengers that choose to fly um, with with Ryanair. So there's a lot of great stuff happening. And we can't just focus on the negative. I appreciate that. But we we are in the market for transatlantic business and New York remains our number one priority to secure. We won't get it for 2020 because the 
the gestation period for a new transatlantic route is a minimum of 18 to 24 months. But we want to see people flying direct from Cork to New York in 2021. Uh, let's just look to 2020. I mean, I, I've shamed you now by sending you there 14 years, which is the old paper tickets, very little online. Um, it's changed because the, even the model of the check-in desk, of which you've got 14 or 15 of them all lined up there, they're not really used anymore because lots of people check in online and there's new technology being put in now that means you won't even have to go to the check-in desk, will you? Well, this is it. I mean, we had 16 check-in desks when we left the old terminal uh, in 2006 uh, and we doubled that in the new terminal because, you know, that's the, the growth trajectory. And you're right, half of those are now redundant because most of us carry our boarding card on our mobile phone. Yeah. We, we check in remotely. What we've introduced this week now is the opportunity to, to self-tag uh, your bag. So you've already checked in online, but but you have a bag. So do you really want to be going into that snake queue uh, waiting for people that need to check in and check in a bag? But see, people who have seen this at other airports. It's, exactly. It's, not and it's, all, it's already in Dublin. And in fact, the system we've put in is probably a, it's another iteration forward from what's already in Dublin. So it's better than what they have in Dublin is what you're trying to say. But what I'm there, trying Kevin. to say politically correctly yeah. there, yes. <laughs> yeah. So because, you know, you can now rock up, put your case on, it'll print off the bag tag, you affix it and you literally go up and put it onto the conveyor belt. It's easy peasy. And again, it adds to the efficiency. So it means, you know, your the time you have to leave your home to get to the airport is reduced even further to make your life and, and your passage to the airport even more seamless. I, I've taken a huge amount of your time when you should be shepherding all of those choirs in and out of the airport. So rapid fire, quick questions for you. What's your favourite airport that isn't Cork? Schiphol, Amsterdam. I love the fact that it's all under one roof and you can seamlessly make any connection within 40 minutes. Uh, what's your favourite airline? I suppose you have to. Be, you probably can't pick one that uses Cork unless you really want well, to annoy somebody. I, I love all of our children equally <laughs> at Cork, all, all nine of our scheduled airlines. But if I was to choose one uh, that isn't currently operating out of Cork, and uh, the one I have flown with that I really enjoyed the, the experience uh, was Emirates. Emirates, but not surprising given that they go all out as a rule. When will you get to 4 million passengers, do you think? We'll do 2.6 million in 2019. We're scheduled to go another 5% next year to 2.7. We'll be back at 3 million passengers, I would safely say, into 2022. Um, if we were to get transatlantic, give us another boost, I'd say we could we could possibly hit 4 million within the next 10 years. And finally, what does Kevin Cullinan do to relax with all the things that goes through his head on a daily basis? How do you actually unwind? I unwind on a Wednesday evening when I when I joined my fellow choristers in St. Coleman's Chamber Choir in Cove, where I actually generally can say hand on heart, I never think about work for that hour and a half. I'm in the control of our musical director, Dominic Finn, uh, usually preparing for some liturgical grandiose event for Christmas or Easter or the installation of a bishop or heading off to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. I love choral singing um, because I can just stand in the back. I'm a bass. I'm one of those deep voices. Uh, and I can just blend in with the choir and, you know, I just find choral singing the best piece of mindfulness. Uh, and I've been doing it now in St. Combs Cathedral for 40 years this Christmas. Not a bad backdrop if you're going to be a chorister, to be fair. It's not bad at all. Kevin, um, you have a busy period coming up at the airport. I, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of technically blowing smoke here, but it is my favourite airport because of the ease of access of getting in and out. Uh, and I, I think most people will agree with that. Sometimes things go wrong, but that's normally the weather and not the fault of Cork Airport. Um, we wish you and all of your colleagues a very happy Christmas. And thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Head of Communications at Cork Airport, Kevin Cullinan. Thank you. 
My thanks to Kevin Cullinan and good luck to all of those coursters at Cork Airport between now and Christmas. Don't forget, every episode of Red Business is available for download at redextra.ie along with loads of great content from Cork's Red FM. Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one. The only show in town for Cork Business. Red Business.